Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Chapel Hill. I believe the Lord was revealing to me um, something that he's always doing, but I felt specifically there's people here today that you came in here this morning in need of some wisdom. Raise your hand. All right. There's, there's some, somebody threw their hand up, and I just want you to be encouraged that God who sees knows exactly that. He wanted me to speak this to help you to practically step into some answers or some choices or just some situations that you need some help with. Has anybody who doesn't necessarily feel that, you know what that feels like. Everybody in this room, we've all been in these situations where, here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is where the spiritual marries the practical. Amen? And so, in this last of the series on the ways of Jesus, have you ever watched the man Jesus through the New Testament and gone, how did he do this? How did he walk in such wisdom and favor with God and man? How did he grow in wisdom? How did he know the things that he knew, even at such a young age? Well, one easy answer is, well, because he was God, and God knows everything. Yeah, but I believe even intellectually, spiritually, maybe not spiritually as much, but he did, Philippians chapter 1 says, he surrendered He stepped down and became like a man, like a human being, just like all of us. And I don't know at what capacity, but in some way, he still had to grow in wisdom. He still needed to gain understanding. And so last week I was talking to you about this Greek word. It's not that the word itself is not as important. The word was synesis. But synesis is just simply the Greek word in the New Testament for spiritual revelation or understanding. And uh, I was reflecting back. Is Anna Grace still in the room? Oh, yeah, there she is. Um, I guess late 2007, early 2008, around that season, um, here's where the spiritual meets the practical. This is an example. Uh, let's see. We had four boys. Anybody got four boys? We, we have four sons. The oldest was 10, and the youngest was 2. And how many know four boys below 10 is a lot? (laughs) I can't speak for mom, but I know for me, I was tired. You know what I'm saying? I was tired, Jamar. I'm like, Lord. And here was this problem. It's a good problem. The problem was this girl right here that I love and married, she had had this dream in her heart of this little girl probably what, you had a name since maybe middle school or something like that. She had this name for this little girl that she knew she would have one day named Anna Grace. This guy right here, Matthew, he was like, well, honey, we'll probably meet her in heaven. We, we had had a miscarriage between the older two boys, and so we're like, that was probably Anna Grace. We'll meet her in heaven. And um, to be just completely honest, yeah, I'm just getting practical. To be practical... I was done. I mean, like, baby factory was shutting down. You know, like, okay. The surgery was scheduled. Y'all get the point. Like, you understand what I'm saying? And um, one night, you know, 
so during that season, 06, 07, the Holy Spirit was pouring out in our church, and we were having just amazing times, encounters with God. And I'll never forget, we had wrapped up this Wednesday night breakthrough meetings. We were calling them breakthrough meetings. And I was sitting in our Mooresville church, like about right here, where it would be on the stage. I was just sitting there, and everybody was kind of mulling around. People were praying for each other, but it wasn't anything. The meeting was all but over. And I'm sitting there, and the craziest thing happened to me. This little three-year-old girl goes dancing by. And the Lord just spoke to me in my spirit just as clear as day. It wasn't audible. It was just one of those inner voices that you just know is God. Is God. And he said this to me. He said, you can have one of those if you want it. Whoa, what? Now, I thought that was really interesting the way he said it because he wasn't saying you're going to have a girl. Like, it's not your choice, whatever. Your wife, behold, she is with child. No, nothing like that. He was like, hey, that desire in your hearts, because I had that desire too, of course. I would love to have that little girl. Um, so I went home that night, and we just sat down. And where the practical meets the spiritual, okay, it's one thing to get a word. It's another thing to walk out that word knowing what that means. That means more mouths to feed. <laughs> that means more tired nights and, and, and weary days. You know, all those things that are wonderful as parents, but, you know, it's real life. And um, so we just looked at each other in conversation. We prayed, and we were like, you know what? We got four. What's one more? Let's go for it. So, so that must have been December, January of 08, because this coming Tuesday, the dream in God's heart and our hearts, Anna Grace, was born on October, in October of 2008. And so we, we got to celebrate with all her friends back there her birthday, and we'll keep celebrating throughout the week, um, this weekend. But that's the thing is practical wisdom, practical wisdom about situations in your life, whether who to marry, right? How many children God wants you to have. You know, sometimes you have something to do about that, sometimes not as much. Um, the Bible says that in in you know, the book of James, which I'll remind you was Jesus' half-brother, that if anybody lacks wisdom, what should he do? He should ask. So why don't we ask him right now, and then I'm going to talk about it. So raise your hand if you were one of those who said, yeah, man, I need some wisdom right now. I need to know what to do. Lord, we all know what that feels like. So Holy Spirit, you have all wisdom and knowledge, and I ask that you would download it to him right now or during this message, throughout this day, whatever, however you want to work, God, we're just asking you, the God who speaks, to speak now. So let's just take 10 seconds to listen. Amen. Amen. If you need to write that down, whatever you heard, go ahead and write it down. Aren't you thankful that God speaks to us, that we're not alone in this thing, that we have real living relationship with him? Because, you know, we could have all the spiritual understanding and knowledge and revelation and insight or that sunesis in the New Testament. We could have all that in the world, yet if we don't have the practical wisdom to accompany it, to accompany it, it could be like water being poured out on the ground. You know what I mean? 
Have you ever known somebody like that? I've never been that person. I just knew people. I had a friend. <laughs> oh, man, I lacked a lot of wisdom as a young adult. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Mama can tell you. She's got the stories. It it's kind of reminds me of Paul admonishing the church in 1 Corinthians 13 that they could operate in all the gifts of the Spirit, you know, speaking tongues, prophesy. You can do that all day long, but if you lack love, what good is it? It's like on the gong show. You're just like a clanging gong that makes no difference. We can have all the revelation, but if we lack the application, the interpretation, the application of it, what will God do with it? Um, Another analogy is I thought, speaking of Anna Grace, today we have the Crescent Christian Academy Lady Eagles basketball team visiting us on the back row. Can we give them a hand? They can have all the basketball skill in the world, but if they don't know how to set a screen, to pick and roll, to run the plays, the coaches teach them, and to work as a team, what good is it? You can shoot threes all day long, Trinity, but if you ain't got nobody to help you be open, then what good is that skill? You get what I'm saying. Which, by the way, y'all, they got an anointing on that team. You watch. God's going to put it on the map. I'm telling you, mark, mark, mark his words. Not my words. Mark his words. Um, so their coach needs practical wisdom. Anybody ever coached a sports team before? Again, you, you can have all the talent, all the spiritual, all the talent, but if as a coach you don't have the understanding of what to do with that talent, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And um, so, you know, Jesus, of course, demonstrated this in a wonderful way. It always cracks me up at the 12 dudes that he picked. <laughs> Seriously? You picked that guy? <laughs> Nate, <laughs> Pete, <laughs> And then, you know, the clincher of all is the betrayer, Judas, that, you know, I personally believe, you might believe differently, I personally believe he knew, he knew that Judas was a thief and, and, and a liar and a traitor when he picked him. What does that say about the heart of Father God? Wow. I don't know if I would have picked that guy for my starting 12. I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't know. No. I would be having arguments with the father about that one, you know, because Jesus only did and said when he heard the father doing. So obviously the father said, Judas, I'd be like, wait, time out. We need to have a huddle over here. I don't know about that. That's what God is. That's, who, that's what he's like. And um, I always think, too, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, that one in Matthew, what, five and six around there. Um, Jesus demonstrated this practical wisdom in an incredible way. I mean, in that, in that one lengthy dialogue there, there is uh, lessons on human relationships, husbands, wives, parents, children. Then, there's, then he really goes to meddling. He starts talking about money. Like, oh, I don't like to talk about money in church. Jesus did. He even really talks about investing and investments. I mean, I've... I've often, not often, but I've, I've heard some, some light criticism within, like, uh, a church like ours, like, not this particular one, but just over the years in the kind of charismatic church where, especially when God's moving, it can be kind of offensive in a way. 
because people like just some different manifestations. People, whether somebody falls down or, you know, shakes or whatever it is, or some use of a gift or a spiritual gift. And one of the thoughts of the natural mind is, okay, that's so, that might be spiritually good, but what practical use is there for that? Like, is there any practical wisdom in that? Well, I can tell you this, in that 2006 to 2009 flow of the river of the Holy Spirit in our church, it has become the most practical fruit ever in my life. I wouldn't have physically things in my life if it wasn't for that. And so I just want to encourage you that even when it seems like it's, it's just, okay, this is like a spiritual feel-good club or something. God is speaking and birthing things in people that are unseen. You may not even realize it. And he's going to continue to do that right now in this season of the open door. Okay? A few weeks ago, if you're new or you just walked in, on the Hebrew calendar, it's, it was a new year. Rosh Hashanah was just a couple of weeks ago. And it happens to be the, the year of the open door. And uh, have you ever felt like, Lord, I need to know what door to walk through? Because sometimes that door looks open, but I'm not sure if it's an open door from the Lord, for my own desire. Maybe the enemy trying to trick me like, Lord, I, I need to know. And have you ever prayed this prayer? Lord, I thank you for that open door, but if that's not the right one, just close it. In other words, what you're saying is, I need you really sovereign. I need you sovereignly for them to say, maybe you got offered a job, you know, and like, but I don't know if that's the right one. Let them call me back and say, we're sorry. We're, this is not the right job for you. Oh, okay, well, I know that's a, a closed door. But honestly, as we grow in our operation of kingdom, authority, and maturity, I really think it's daddy's heart to give you more I don't know, how do you say it? Decision-making capacity? More wisdom. That's what it is. It's like your knower just knows. Because it's not yours, it's the Holy Spirit. It's what we often tell people just pastorally is, listen, follow your peace. That can be hard for a lot of people to do. Because they're confused as to which is their peace and which is God's peace. That's where it all comes down to this one thing, is relationship. It's just grow in intimacy. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Grow in that. And the more and more that you do, the more you're going to know the difference. The more that you're going to see those doors to walk into. So that Greek word, sunesis, spiritual understanding, is absolutely essential for all of life in the kingdom. And there's another Greek word called phronesis. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it starts with a P-H-R. Phronesis, which is its partner. And let me define it for you, this word in the New Testament. Phronesis is wisdom in determining ends and the means of attaining them. Practical understanding and sound judgment. It comes from the Latin and Greek meaning practical wisdom Prudence in government and public affairs. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's used, for example, in Romans 12, 16, where Paul writes to the Roman church, be of the same mind. The same mind is from phroneo, okay, or phronesis. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. 
do not be wise in your own opinion. One theologian I wrote in researching these words wrote this. Whereas phronesis is practical wisdom, it's a force that makes you do and say the right things before you even think. It's a force, the Holy Spirit, that makes you or causes you to do and say the right things before you even think. You know why? Because it's the mind of Christ. In other words, phronesis is Jesus' practical wisdom that becomes your operating system on your hard drive. So then when a situation arises, that practical wisdom has already been growing in you and you don't even have to think about it. You just begin to walk through this door and go in that direction and hear this word and move in this partnership with God. And the next thing you know, you're like, wow, how the Lord has helped me to grow in this maturity. It's called growing in wisdom. So God gives you Sophia, we already all know that wisdom, which is insight into reality so that you can have sunesis or a spiritual understanding. So God gives you insight into reality so you can have spiritual revelation or understanding for the purpose of developing you in phronesis, a mindset for a successful and extraordinary life. Is there anybody in here that doesn't want to have a successful and extraordinary life? Obviously, we all do. And it's, it's, it's available. It's likely. It's actually your inheritance as a child of God. Now, let me remind you of a couple things that I've preached in the past. Many of you weren't here. But I want, I want to give you three phrases that I hope you can remember. Remember these things. God has not called you to live by principles. He's made you to live by passion. God's not called you to live just by Christian principles. That's good, but it's not the best. Christian principles serve the passion that he's put in our hearts. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Don't you love the passion translation? It says it this way. Jesus answered him, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being and with every thought that is within you. If I love Sarah on principle alone, that's not enough. She, she needs me to love her with the passion in my heart. In other words, it's real. It's heartfelt. It's not just like, well, I'm going to love my wife. I was doing the right thing. Number two, God's not called you to live out of duty. He's made you to live out of delight. God's not called you to live out of duty alone. He's made you to live out of delight. Who loves Proverbs 37, 4? Gabe just preached this in our chapel this past week. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. Tap your neighbor and say, that's you. That's your heart. Wait a second. Do you mean that my father cares about my desires? A lot in the church preach actively against that idea, but I disagree. Absolutely, he does. Let me ask you as a mom or a dad, would you just hear your kid's heartfelt desire and be like, whatever, Jeremiah. I, that, you're being too haughty, Jeremiah. Who cares what you feel, want, and dream about? No. If we as, as not perfect fathers champion our kids' desires and their passion and their heart, don't you think your father in heaven also rejoices when he sees 
Tim and Laura with their dreams for a season of their life. Now he knows we're going to come into partnership with him. We're not talking about selfishness. We're not talking about all for me. I'm not preaching that. I'm just saying there is a union. There's a a co-union together with Jesus. So he hasn't called you to live by principles but by passion. Not by duty but by delight. And then the third one is this. God has not called you to live out of discipline. He's made you to live out of discovery. God's not called you to just live out of discipline. He's made you to live out of discovery. It doesn't mean those first three things of principles, duty, and discipline don't have a role, but they serve the greater. Proverbs 2, 3 through 5, it says this, Yes, cry out for comprehension and intercede for insight. For if you keep seeking it like a man would seek for sterling silver, searching in hidden places for cherished treasure, then you will discover the fear of the Lord and find the true knowledge of God. I always used to hear that phrase, the fear of the Lord. Like, oh God, who are we going to strike me? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean? Like, I got to be afraid. But then I came into this place of maturity where like it says here, you'll discover the fear of the Lord. There was something about it that then became beautiful and reassuring. It's like this awe of something way bigger than me. Not only way bigger than me, but something that cares deeply for me. And that has the best in mind for me. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's an awe and a wonder. Some would say it's a respect, but in a way of respecting that which is bigger than you. To the point of like, wow, I fear God. Because I get to discover the delight that is in his heart. So if I had it on a chart on the left side, you got principles, duty, and discipline. But on the right side, you have passion, delight, and discovery. The secret to growing in wisdom in the kingdom is found in these truths. And in maintaining a humble heart, listening to the spiritual wisdom of those who've gone before you. Don't forget the people sitting around you. See, that's one of the ways that God has beautifully designed his, his, his church, the body of Christ, is because there's wisdom around you. So part of when you lack wisdom, ask God, and God's going to use somebody else in your community to speak. It's interesting, isn't it, that the guy who wrote Proverbs, and is there anything more practical in wisdom, the wisdom literature of the book of Proverbs, who wrote that book? Solomon, King Solomon, David's boy, right? And what else did he write? What's the Song of Songs, Eva? It's a love poem. It has the most intimate imagery. It could be a little uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's so intimate between the bride and the bridegroom. So I would like to submit to you that first comes Song of Songs, Then comes the practical wisdom of Proverbs. It's not really cut and dry that fast. I'm just saying, out of that intimacy, out of that love affair that you have with God, then comes the wisdom and knowledge and understanding that you need. After all, isn't that part of your story? Come on, church. Part of your story is in those moments where you're the most saturated with a love sickness for Him. It's where seeming answers drop out of heaven. Where... 
I'm not possible in my capacity to love my neighbor as myself. But in that kind of love, anything is possible. You find solutions or answers to humbling yourself like we read from the passage earlier. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. And you begin to humble yourself even to the people in your house. Like, honey, I'm sorry. The way I acted, my attitude, that was wrong. Or you go to one of your kids and say, hey, Gabe, I didn't do that right. Will you forgive me? You know, that takes a lot of humility, doesn't it, parents? Because as a dad, I feel like I'm always right. Especially when it comes to one of my kids who definitely was wrong. And while they may be wrong, the way that I handled it may not have been right. I'm just trying to put it in practical terms. There's solutions and answers to all this, and it comes from just being so in love. Do you need practical wisdom? I've already asked. I do. I need to know how to apply all the spiritual revelation I've received to everyday situations. For example, am I working for God or am I working with God? I, need, I don't need to wear myself out in order to earn God's pleasure. How does this apply to your marriage, to your relationships, to your kids, to your job? Remember the uh, four young men in the book of Daniel? Daniel, was it Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? God gave them knowledge, Daniel 1.17. He gave them knowledge and skill in, guess what's coming? Literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So we know Daniel had the vision and dream. He was the seer, prophetic, you know, had that. He could see, he got the spiritual. But what's so cool is, those young men, they're probably teenagers, they, would, they applied it even to like Babylonian literature. We don't know all the ins and outs of that. We don't know how that played out in the king's court or how, how that was utilized for the kingdom. But it's really interesting. Um, you know, Janet, my mother-in-law, started a school back in 1998 called uh, Mooresville Christian Academy, as most of you know. But, um, and that, that proverb was a theme verse that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Of the Holy One. And I love the, the, the feel in the school. It was so spiritual, like no other Christian school I've ever been in in that regard. But yet there was such an emphasis on the application to whatever subject, future career, or whatever that a student might attain to or might dream about is we're getting you ready. First the spiritual, then the practical. And uh, so it was really a great, a great illustration in my heart of synesis and phronesis. Um, Romans 12, 16, I read the first verse. Let me read a few more. It says this, be of the same mind. Again, that's phronesis toward one another. Do not set your mind on things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heat coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Overcome evil with good. 
it's interesting the progression in just these five verses of where it starts out in this really spiritual aspect of receive basically humility and being in the same mind of practical wisdom. And then as you progress through the five verses, it gets extremely practical. So here's what I see. Number one, don't respond to someone mistreating you with the same treatment. Hello. Number two, don't try to get revenge, but let God handle it. Number three, instead, do acts of kindness for your enemy. In other words, Jesus said, pray for those who spitefully use you. Do good to them. So number four, fight with the opposite spirit. You know what I found to be a secret to practical wisdom is that opposite spirit idea. Is if somebody is, is, is kind of coming towards you with anger, you respond to them in love or gentleness. And whatever it is, if somebody's being extremely unkind, you overwhelm them with kindness. Now, who's like me and said, that's hard to do? I mean, it's really, really hard to do. But undeniably, as I've been reading in my devotional time this week about the arrest and the execution of our Lord, of Jesus, it's just like, wow. I mean, you remember, like, for example, when um, Judas shows up with a legion of Roman soldiers to come arrest him? And, and then Peter, being Peter, man, he gets all hyped. I mean, he's, he's already been packing. He's got his concealed carry. You know, and he pulls it out and slices off the guy's ear. And not only does Jesus reprimand him for that, like, whoa, whoa, bro, you just, you don't understand. Not only did he do that, but he actually then healed the soldier's ear. Now, remember, these are the same dudes that are coming to rip his skin off and to torture him and to brutally execute him. And he knows that's going to happen to him. That's coming up. And that's his heart towards them in the moment. I mean, do you see the, the magnitude of that? Wow, Lord, I got a long ways to go. I'm growing, Lord, from glory to glory. Let this mind be in you, Philippians 2, 5, which was also in Christ Jesus, we just talked about, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. In Philippians 2, 5 here, Paul uses the same phrase he did in that passage in Romans that I read you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Biblical scholar Stephen Fowle suggests that Christ-centered phronesis, which is that mind in you, practical wisdom, develops a pattern of thinking, feeling, and acting in Christ-formed ways. I don't. I can't go into the things I've learned about brain science, really, 
There's a lot there that is absolutely awesome in the way that the brain works. But repeated thoughts create these neuropathways in our brain. And modern brain science is showing that those can be changed. In other words, when the Bible spiritually says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ, we think, oh, spiritually, that's awesome. Yes, praise God. Amen. But modern science is proving that that is actually physiologically possible and what is going on in our brains when we allow phronesis or practical wisdom to take its effect. Is then it creates these patterns of thinking. Like the first time you bless your enemy, in a practical sense, perhaps the next time when an enemy confronts you, you begin to respond in a more automated, heartfelt response of, oh, I blessed one time. You might be not thinking this literally, but I'm now I'm just going to respond with blessing. I'm going to respond with kindness. Kill them with kindness, as that phrase goes. Christ-centered phronesis develops a pattern of thinking, feeling, and acting in Christ-formed ways. He also suggests this verse is a call to apply a practical moral reasoning shaped by the precedent of Christ set to the everyday moments of life and even to us now in the morally complex decisions presented by a culture around us. So finally, Luke 1, 17. Let me just finish with this. He, Jesus, will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. To do what? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. That word wisdom is phronesis in the Greek practical wisdom let me read this again what is jesus going to do or has done and is doing he's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the lord do you think we need this guys we need this practical wisdom to know what to do and i i know certain situations in here i'm not going to call those out but there's just, it's exciting, but it's a little nervous at the same time. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you're like, on one hand, Lord, help me not to make a mistake. On the other hand, like, I believe God is somehow in this, but I just need to know a little bit more of where we're going, right? <laughs> we need this this year. Open doors require great wisdom to walk through. Amen. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.